You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. In this episode, I interview Sims Fishing Products CEO, Casey Sheehan, and we talk a little fishing, what's new with Sims, uh, environmental threats to our fisheries such as microplastics and climate change, and also what Sims is doing for conservation and the importance of protecting our water. This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Emerger Strategies, whose mission is to solve the climate crisis by improving the social, environmental, and economic bottom lines of your business. Measure what matters with Emerger Strategies. So Casey, I I wanted to get things kicked off here how, how did you how, how did you get into fishing and 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 what led you to um to, to sims i mean let's just let's just hear i guess the whole story sure well i i grew up in california specifically santa barbara california and ojai california and my parents in 1959 bought some property in jackson hole right inside grand teton national park wow so i started you know, my dad, he bought me a, a little spin fly combo rod called the Russ Peak. Russ Peak was a famous Southern California fly instructor, just great guy. And he taught my dad and I how to, how to fish and how to fly cast. And I had this rod. I'd put a spin, spin reel on it sometimes and, you know, throw MEP spinners. And then I'd, I'd convert it over to a little, little Fluger reel and, fish dry flies to trout on the, up in the ranch in Wyoming. But I started fishing all over, um, you know, on the way up to, to Wyoming, we'd stop at Lake Tahoe. And there's an older guy, uh, a guy named Charlie Starbuck, who was one of my early heroes in life. And he was, he was in high school at that time. And I was a little punk. I was probably seven, eight. And he would, be, he would cast big, super-duper lures off the docks at Lake Tahoe and really in these monster uh, rainbow trout. Um, like, you know, 24 inches. And I was so blown away by that. I just, that just made me want to be like him and every aspect of my life. It was, it was a really pivotal moment. So I got more and more into fly fishing as a kid. I started to learn how to tie flies and figure out different rods and reels. And by the time I was 16, I was a full blown addict and I was living in the summers at our place in Jackson hole. And, and, um, I got my driver's license, which was, that was a door opener for me because now I could start, you know, we were close to the Snake River and Fish Creek, but I could now get up to Yellowstone River and, and other places, go backpacking in the Wind Rivers. And that summer, uh, in the fall, I got the opportunity to run shuttle for a bunch of the old dirtbag fly fishing guides in Jackson. A guy, famous guy named John Sims, who was just starting his company. Um, fishing products. And he also was a very famous innovator in avalanche gear, avalanche shovels and probes and, and other detection devices called lifelink. And that company was part of a company that owned, um, Crokey's eyeglass retainers. So I ran shuttle for John and he was guiding it every year. They had a bunch of outside business guys come down and fish for a week or two in the Tetons on the Snake River, and they took them out in these big black rubber rafts. I, 
I can't remember the name of the company. It was uh, I think it was like a mining company, or it, I can't. It wasn't Emerson Electric, but something something like that. Kaiser Steel. It was Kaiser Steel. Okay. And these guys really love this experience fishing with these guides, and so I'd hang out afterwards, and sometimes they might slip me a beer out of the six pack, and <laughs> heard, heard them talking, and I just wanted to be like these guys. I wanted to ski all winter on the ski patrol and be a fishing guide, and and they started giving me chances to uh, to you know sometimes run a sag wagon raft, or some, one of the guides was too hungover and actually got to follow one of the other guides down and guide the rest of his clients in a separate <laughs> boat. And so I was just, just winging it. Um, and I'd say that passion has, has been with me my entire life. I famously uh, went down to Argentina on my own um, and fished in, in Tierra del Fuego in about 1979, right in the height of the disappearances of, of people being thrown out of airplanes in Chile and Argentina. And it was a scary time for a young hippie kid at the age of 24. Um, but I went to Tierra del Fuego and I walked up into a um, big estancia, which everyone knows now is the Estancia Maria Bete. And I kind of poached their lower pools right above tidewater. And I was, I was reefing in these gigantic brown trout, you know, between 10 and 18 pounds on a, on a little eight weight fly rod that a friend of mine in Jackson had wrapped for me with a little cheesy reel. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I was just like so stoked. And that was, that was when fishing really, really sunk its, uh, its hooks, its teeth or whatever into me and, and set me on a lifetime path. So I ended up, you know, over the years I was in the out, I was a journalist, a ski journalist for years. I was in the outdoor industry in various jobs as, as uh, running marketing for Nike ACG and then uh, Merrill Footwear and Keen Footwear. Uh, I ran Kelty Packs. I was their president for many years and then got offered the job to be the CEO of Patagonia in 2005. And I did that for nine years and I loved it. It was the most amazing company ever. But you know, after nine years, you kind of feel yourself burning out and running out of ideas. And so I took some time off and then I really fished. I got to go back down <laughs> for my third time to Argentina and I got to steelhead fish as much as I wanted. And about two years into this retirement, the uh, current uh, the current owner of, of Sims, Casey Walsh, came up to me and said, hey, um, I'm thinking of becoming the executive chairman. And do you know anybody that might want to come run Sims? And I went, oh, man, uh, sure, make me an offer. I, I, I could be there in less than two months. Let's go. So it happened back in 20, the end of 2017, and uh, really excited to be back in Bozeman, Montana, a place I've visited so many times, and now I'll be living here full-time uh, and running this great, great company, wonderful people here right in the heart of Bozeman, um, and with, working with a lot of people who have been friends of mine for, for many years that also kind of assembled in the, within the company over the last two years. So that's how I got to, to Sims. Uh, my checkered pass in the, the outdoor and fishing industries is behind me. And I actually, I'll, ha I'll have to make a note. I, I actually fell in love with fly fishing um, in Wyoming and, and lived in Jackson Hole for, for four years. Um, and that's where I turned into a total nut 
<laughs> about about fishing and uh to have the tetons as a backdrop uh, while falling in love with the sport is uh as 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 you know is 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 pretty pretty romantic and um not not a bad way to do it either so um exactly yeah <laughs> um well that's that, that's that's super cool and I guess spring is being released and, and, and things like that. So um, wanted to take an opportunity to, to ask you what uh, what some what are some of the products that you're excited about about launching? Yeah, sure. Well, a couple of things going on for us this spring. Obviously, on the product side, we we have relaunched our G4 Gore-Tex wader and wading boot uh, wader and jacket program, and new wading boots connected to that category. That's a super high end, top of the line product. That's uh, we, we, it took us over two years to get it developed and finished and tested. And, uh, we spent a lot of time making sure that it was great, great product. And that's, that actually came out at the end of 2019, but obviously this will be the first big full spring season that it launches. So that's, that's really big for us. There's also just a really beautiful new line of sportswear as we expand into that category, uh, both wovens and, and, uh, we do well with with performance knits like our Solar Flex and Bug Stopper that keep the sun and bugs off you. Those have all been updated, and that's that's been fun to to launch that and get great reception from the dealers and on uh, various e-tail sites. The other thing is that we um, have changed our kind of call to action, our our tagline for Sims to uh, "You get one life, fish it well," and this is an all-encompassing message around. Not just you know fishing well and having the right gear to do it with, but but more than that, you know, using the power uh, of fishing the in, and all the, uh, the maybe softer sides of it. It's it's health and wellness benefits, which I think is really important in times like we're going through right now, where you might need to get away from from your fellow man and fish in a more solitary way, just so you can stay away from the bugs that are flying around out there. Um, and I mean the viral bugs. So I think what I was saying before the phone rang is that, you know, we, we, uh, we need breaks. We, we need breaks in our life. We need breaks from the stresses of, of, of life. And fishing provides that, an antidote to a number of different things on an emotional, physical, spiritual level. Uh, it's, it's pure meditative interaction with the environment. And it's, it's fun. It's beautiful. So, so um, that that that's been going on for us. So, so we just launched Fish It Well, and we're running a, a whole bunch of di- of diaries uh, around uh, both fly and conventional angler athletes, and just just talking a little bit about what goes on in their world. A little quote or two, talking, trying to get our customers kind of connected to these these great fishing athletes, ambassadors, uh, influencers. Some of them are. Are, are real environmental people. Uh, some are giving back through wounded warriors and breast casting for recovery and all these kinds of different things that we support as a brand. Um, just having them tell their story in, in, on, in social media um, as much as possible. And, and uh, that has been, been fun to kind of launch that this spring and see the excitement we're bringing, bringing to people who hopefully might not have known Sims before, but, but once they connect to us, they realize that, you know, this is a great authentic brand. It's been around for a long time. It's very high quality product. And there's a ethos with this brand that is like doing, doing this sport, doing this activity at its highest level 
uh, and doing it with great confidence, but also knowing that when you operate at that level, you have an obligation and you can enjoy the ability to give back what you have, what you have learned about fly casting, teaching others about people how to catch fish, um, helping people who are, 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 are damaged and hurt and suffering because of, uh, you know, PTSD from warfare or recovering from breast cancer operations, things like that. This sport has a lot to offer those people. And that's what I like about it. It's like, it's like taking what you've, what this sport has provided you and, and giving it back to others who can also enjoy it and get benefit from it. Well, and I think that's really important because the, the more anglers, in my opinion, the, the more anglers that are out there, um, we're going to have more conservationists. We're going to have uh, more well-rounded uh, people who ultimately, I think once you fall in love with the sport, as, as it sounds like both, both you and I have, um, you know, at the end of the day, you want to protect what you love. And so that you start to develop that conservation ethos. You also want to share that experience. And, you know, I, I uh, went, actually went back to, to Jackson Hole this past summer and, you know, I had my daughter on, on, on my little backpack and, and took her fishing. She'll never remember it. I'll remember it until the day I die. But those are the types of things that you get to share um, and share those experiences with people who their, their memories for a lifetime. And those are the types of things that I think are, are, um, the foundation of building, uh, good stewards and, and, um, you know, better leaders, honestly. Yeah. And I, th- I think the, the best brands in any, any category, any sport category, or any, even consumer packaged goods are the ones that elevate the, the sport itself or the activity itself to a whole nother, whole nother level. And, and that's, that's, that's a sign of, of great authentic brands doing, doing the best thing and taking a higher level uh, approach in terms of their purposefulness to, to also, uh, you know, support the activities and what's best for those activities as opposed to just selling stuff. You know what I mean? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely more, more, a more purpose driven approach. Um, I guess this is shifting gears a, a little bit, but it's kind of, I was curious to know, you know, what are, what are, some of the environmental threats that you see um, out there that that um, are, are really impacting our fisheries or have the potential to impact our fisheries that are that are concerning to you. Well, surely you know we're all seeing a lot of attention, uh, and I think deservedly so, to global warming. And, and you know, at a micro level, this is the early melting of of snowpacks uh, in the springtime. Uh, greater droughts in some areas, um, huge storms that, you know, in rainy areas that are far beyond what we're used to seeing historically. So the flooding concurrent with that. And, and then these hurricanes that are just like <laughs> relentless and powerful and coming up out of nowhere. Um, those are big deals across this country, this part of, of North America. We were you know concerned about that. And at the, at the level of, uh, you know, at more micro levels, um, you know, I think when I was at Patagonia and certainly now at Sims, we were greatly concerned with the impact of single-use plastic bottles and containers and, and other plastics that are showing up uh, airborne and also 
carried through the water, microplastics in in all of our bodies of water, the oceans, the rivers, the lakes. Um, this is a serious deal because the microinvertebrates will take up these microplastics and then it just goes right up the food chain. So what's the health aspects of when that happens to, to all humans, uh, all the fish we're eating, uh, all these different inter interconnected species that rely on one another. It's a, it's a scary thought. And, and for beyond that, you know, just because I'm, I'm sort of into the, the steelhead and tarpon world is my favorite species. Um, the ocean acidification and some of the warming of the of the uh, ocean waters in the Pacific and other parts of the world too is really going to hurt our fishing um, yep. because it it suppresses the smaller chains of, of, of bait fish and and microinvertebrates that they feed on and all, on up to the big fish and what these fish are carrying or how how these fish are able to survive through these difficult ocean conditions. So I, I always feel like hunters, uh, marine fishermen, fly fish, fishermen are the first ones to kind of see what's coming because they're, they're out watching the baseline shift every season of the year. And, and they're not waiting for scientific studies to confirm this. They're just noticing that timing of, of fish runs changes, uh, the environment's changing, the, the weather's changing from when they were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And that's, it's amazing how exponentially fast things are changing right now. It, it just blows my mind that we're seeing sea level rises happening at a mass, much faster scale than we, we, we had previously. I was just over in Switzerland a couple of weeks ago and just seeing green grass and, you know, ski runs with no snow on them and people just living like, you know, this is the new normal. The glaciers are melting here and we're just getting used to it because it's already happened and it happened, started happening 25, 30 years ago and it's, it's unrelenting. So what's that, what, what does that do to our sport? Uh, wherever it's practice, does it, is it, can it be a good thing or is it pretty, is it pretty tough on those species that rely on cold, clean water? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we're, so to, to give you an example too, of like what we're, what we're seeing in Charleston is uh, unprecedented uh, every year. It's, it's a new record for number of days that it floods here. Um, but also just anecdotally, like some friends and I were, were talking and, you know, so we get um, on, on full moons and new moons, we get bigger tides like, like anywhere, but uh, here um, the, the, what we call a flood tide. And that's when we fish for tailing redfish in the, in the marsh grass. And it like, you'd look at the tide chart and you'd be like, okay, so we have about an average tidal swing of about five feet. And on a, you know, on a, on a flood tide, when, uh, you're, you're looking at around six feet and, it was calling for like six feet, but you're, I'm like waiting a flat being like, this is up to, this is 18 inches. Like, <laughs> like there's no, like, yeah. Like I, I don't have to be a, a scientist. I'm looking at this going, this was only supposed to be 12 inches above the, you know, in areas that I fish all the time and it's way right. more water moving in there. And so, you know, just things like that, that you just, you see, and you know that they're happening um, I've seen pictures of some guys that are catching a lot of snook here, um, which is, you know, pretty, pretty crazy. 
Right. And, and when we didn't, and, and we'll see more of that, the, the more winners we have where we don't have freezes. And so, you know, you're starting to see, um, I interviewed uh, the guys from the American Saltwater Guides Association, and they were telling me that their, Virginia is opening a white fish, uh, excuse me, a white shrimp fishery because shrimp are moving that far north and they'd never had, they've never had them up there before. So, I mean, you're just, it's, it's happening now, you know, and, and like you said, at a, at a rapid pace. Um, So I think that part of the answer, you know, is like, well, what, I don't, you know, what, what can you do? And um, part of that answer is, is understanding how, how to be resilient, I guess. Um, And and then a level of, okay, well, how, how can we tackle this, but also doing what we can as individuals and businesses um, and, and frankly, as, as, as voters to, to let our elected officials know that, Hey, climate change is important to us. I'm an, I'm an angler or I'm a hunter. And, you know, this is not a, 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 a conservative or, or a liberal issue. This is science. And I'm, 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 I'm watching it happen right now. Like it's, it, it's happening. Yeah. And, um, so I, I think, you know, for, for me, I think that's something, you know, everyone that's listening, if you're going, well, well, what is something that I can do? I mean, you can, you can get on the phone um, and let people know that your elected officials know that this is important. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, all right. So, so this, 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 this does bring up, um, is there, is there something that, so we know like global warming, um, we've, we've covered that. I mean, that, that, that's a major issue impacting our fisheries today and will continue to impact them. What are, what are some, maybe some of the things, is Sims doing anything as a, as a, as a company to, to address some of these issues? Well, the, you know, I think that just specifically around microplastics first, this is really an outdoor apparel issue. Anybody who uses polyester uh, knits and wovens in their lines uh, has this as an issue, as a byproduct, just in the same way that the single-use plastic bottle guys have this issue. And our approach is, and, and think about it from our waiter standpoint, these are long-chain uh, long chain molecules that last for a tremendously amount, long time. And we are, we are just trying to build the highest quality product we have. So it's not getting disposed so readily. Our waiters last 20 years. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, gosh, those waiters, they're amazing. I've had them for so long. And, you know, I had to patch a hole in them one time, but that was about it. That is probably the best solution from a uh, sustainability standpoint uh, to have product to last as long as possible. But, you know, we're always looking at fabrics that, that are, have some recycled content or the recyclable and, and, and a lot of the off the shelf, uh, fleeces and, and other polyester garments can be returned and used in, in a new garment. And that, that's, that's something that Patagonia certainly pioneered and is continuing to push. And so we're happy to ride along with that because, um, you know, they, they've pro- proven the model that, that you can be sex- successful doing the right thing like this and, and, and minimize some of the impact you have on the planet. Our, you know, our efforts on the other side of, of the equation are, on, um, just from a conservation standpoint, supporting 
the best causes that we can. Many of them are in our backyards. Many of them are, are in other parts of the world. A couple are, you know, Trout Unlimited is a very effective organization protecting waters that might be impacted by by uh, oil and gas, uh, fracking from pollution, from um, other other uh, point source uh, mining uh, operations, things like that. And, and then working with local chapters on, on issues, um, Casey Walsh, the owner of Sims and I did a video before the last election in November, trying to rally people to come out and vote for some, some uh, legislation that was coming up before the voters in Montana to say, let's just make the mining companies put aside a bond to pay for any future damage that is inevitably going to be created in their backyards, uh, in their mines, and 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 have them pay for the cleanup, which will probably come at some point down the line. And our current mining law doesn't really do much of that. And these are a lot of these mining companies are out of country. And we have a big issue with Pebble Mine that Sims has really jumped on. We're that battle is far from over. And Pebble Mine could, you know, could go online here in, in a couple of years after all the court battles. And that would be devastating to this Bristol Bay sockeye salmon, another salmon that, that uses that water source. It's a gigantic part of, 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 of a more sustainable fishery in, in Alaska. It keeps a lot of people employed. There's a sport fishing aspect to it. And it's just such a pristine, beautiful part of the world. You just go, how could we destroy that with all the heavy leads and and, and arsenics and all the other byproduct um, chemicals that come out of copper mining. That would just be tragic. So, so we're fighting that and fighting things in our backyard with Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Greater Yellowstone Coalition, uh, a lot of other groups on the various rivers where we try to give them resources to do the research, do the science, do the cleanup, and fight for their their local stream, which is a really good way to get a whole. Um, spectrum of fishermen and conservationists involved working together arm in arm to protect these incredibly valuable resources for the long, long term. Once you destroy a river, um, it is, it is long, long time before you even have the possibility of bringing it back into any semblance of its original shape. So better to protect it and keep it the way it is because water is going to be the most precious resource on the planet. Far so more than oil. Uh, water trumps arable land. It, it, it is the, the resources that we're probably going to run out of first. And that will be a scary moment when if the population survives our current crisis and continues on the tra trajectory it's been on for, for 100 to 200 years. It, 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 isn't that wild that, <laughs> that we have to talk about protecting water that, uh, that, you know, I mean, it, 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 that's still mind blowing to me. I mean, you're exactly right, but it, 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 that's just, it's almost fascinating that it's like, do we have to re remind ourselves that we can't survive without clean water? And that should be a number, the number one priority and, and consideration. And when, when, when we do whatever it is that we do is how is this impacting the water and the environment. It's, uh, it's, it's we, we take it for granted. We take it for granted. We always have, it's always been abundant. Uh, you go to the sink to wash the dishes and you know, my wife harps at me when I brush my teeth or do like, you're just, you, you're just wasteful. You leave the water running. And I go, Oh God. Yeah, I do. I'm terrible. 
Yeah. She's right. It's like, it's any small amount. And you've seen the old ad about, about the, um, the fish in the fishbowl, um, you know, with no water in it. It's like, that's the, and what the analogy is that, you know, we're dewatering these, these fisheries resources, but we're also dewatering the aquifers in general. And we're just sending stuff into sewage treatment plants. that doesn't need to go there. Uh, and, and what's coming out of there is, can be tainted. So we just have to be mindful of this and protect the headwaters, you know, take a hard look at dams. Are they really doing what we want them to do? Can we, can we get away from them in certain, certain watersheds to free up natural flowing rivers so that, so that the fish can both go up and go down, the smolts can migrate. Um, you know, it's just, just got to be thinking about it and how precious it really is. Yeah, that's, um, this is actually, so, th- so this is super um, relevant, I, I think, <laughs> with, with everything that's going on with coronavirus, but I saw on social media, so, you know, you're always, I don't know, I'm always trying to look for, because it gets depressing, right? And, and like, you get, you know, you kind of get beat over the head with a lot of this stuff, and it's just almost like, can can feel defeated um but i'm always looking for a silver lining and a and a, and a positive spin on things and are are there any success stories or or, or things that have inspired you that um on, on the conservation or sustainability front that um that that you care to, to to share with with everyone well there have been a big a lot of big wins recently i think the the greater yellowstone coalition's uh, success in blocking mines at the headwaters of the Yellowstone River just outside of Yellowstone National Park was a huge win. Um, huge win that 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 we're very uh, proud to have supported and that's a really effective organization and they uh, they did some really great grassroots work with local landowners and other other stakeholders in that area and and got um, the the mines themselves to back off in their plans just by clearly demonstrating the impacts to this to the paradise valley and all the way down into livingston montana that that beautiful valley and and that that trout stream which is you know inspired a lot of us to fall in love with fly fishing is is further protected it doesn't mean that it, there won't be other issues that that occur but it's it was just a great win for them so that that's one example um you know always always looking for things that we can do to minimize our impact as a company. You know, one of the, one of the silver linings of this whole virus outbreak is that, you know, business travel has been suspended. I think you'll see a lot of trade shows halted and canceled that are in our industry. And um, so not only will people not be traveling, but, but the, the carbon footprint impact of a giant trade show is, is not going to happen in many cases this, spring and summer. So um, maybe that's a little difficult for, for the economy or for the fishing business in general, but certainly a good thing for, for the environment not to have that happen. So, you know, we, as humans, we, we get used to conducting ourselves and doing things for certain ways. Uh, getting on an airplane to go to a, a two-hour meeting, is that really necessary? Or is there right. a, another way to, to do that business? Just as we are, you know, on this podcast, that we can do this all digitally and remotely and I don't even have to be sitting in front of you to do it and we can have a nice conversation. That is 
going to be the future, I think, for business for some time. And we've had this technology for a long time, and now we're being forced to use it. And I think it's great. The only problem is I'm kind of here in my house by myself. I, you know, I didn't have my wife, my wife and my dog here. I'd be a little lonely because uh, I miss my colleagues and I, I miss the water cooler chat and the, you know, the playing, you know, bocce ball and, and, and horseshoes and hanging out with them. So it's, <laughs> and I'm missing that right now. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, but, but you're right. And, I, and you know what I think that is, um, that is going to come of this so is, I think it's going to force some interesting and cool innovation. Um, I think that you'll start to see perhaps um, some emerging technologies that, that are going to help like a trade show, for example, like to do a, to do a digital trade show where it's like, you know, hey, film your, you know, whatever you're introducing as new products, make your ad for it, like basically figure out a way to make uh, um, an online trade show still happen and still have sponsors and still be good for buyers and sellers um, because, because you have to, because there's these restrictions and doing what you have to do. But I, I like, I'm starting to see all sorts of interesting things. Like this morning we, um, my daughter goes to this like little music class and they did it on Facebook live today. So we were still able to sit in our den and um, still her still go through her music class. So I think it's going to be interesting. And I think as a result, we're going to wind up seeing what some pretty cool uh, things that, that are actually maybe going to stick and that are better for the environment and um, utilizing technology that exists today. I totally agree. I think, you know, as they say, Crisis is opportunity, but you know if if you look at the things that um, are going to change in the next couple of months, three months, six months, we don't know how long in the world in general, new patterns of behavior will emerge, and there'll be new opportunities for brands in the outdoor space and the fishing space to connect with people to give them what they need to enjoy themselves. Uh, outdoors in 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 a, in, a bra- in the brave new world and i think that that's uh that's that's how these difficult economic situations turn into to positives over over time it's like i, I remember once talking about the the 2008 crisis uh 2009 and you know at patagonia it was a huge growth period for us we we kind of changed our marketing to don't buy this jacket and think about your purchases and be more sustainable. And we were bringing back product and recycling it. The business really took off uh, for Patagonia at that time. I think we were getting like 30, 40% increases a year. And, and it was really a heyday. And part of the message there was kind of like when a forest fire burns through and burns things to the ground, everybody goes, Oh, how sad the forest fire, it burned up Yellowstone national park. And It'll never recover. Go to Yellowstone now and see how much healthier Yellowstone is after those fires burned through 20, 25 years ago. Uh, it needed to burn because the trees were getting too close together. They needed to have a carbon released and, and sequestered in the soil. And animals like to have open open space for grazing. And they weren't just crowded out by these little thin, skinny, lodgepole pines. Now it's a different place. There's meadows and a mix of, of different uh, different age trees and, and more diversity in terms of the plant life. So that's an example of, of 
after the apocalypse, maybe if you have a longer term view, it'll, it'll be a good thing for, for business, for mankind, for the environment, whatever it is. I just, I like to think it, it positively about the opportunities that do present themselves going through a time like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you there. Um, so um, that's probably a, a, a pretty decent uh, note to, to try and wrap on Casey, I, but I do want to, to end with a good positive message, I think. Um, but I, I do want to make sure that, that I'm not leaving anything out or was there something specifically you wanted to make sure that we, that, that we covered in the interview that maybe I missed? No, I don't think so. I'm just, I'm, I'm super uh, happy to be at the Sims, Sims Fishing Products and have a great team with me. And, uh, you know, when business gets back to, to usual, love to have any of our customers come, uh, come see our, our facility, see waiters being made. Uh, it's a really, it's, it's, you know, it's an American, American waiting manufacturing facility, which is a, it's a rare breed. But uh, love to have you in and give you some tips on where to go in our local area. We have the Gallatin and the Madison and the Missouri and, and a lot of great rivers right in our backyard. And a whole crew of people just passionate about this sport and, and just hoping that we'll get through this awkward time in our, our, our economic history and our health history and move on and get people back outdoors and join the sport. It is definitely the answer to, to, to what we have going on in the world today. And, and I think it will be there when all is said and done, this is all over. So um, just happy to be spending some time with you and tell you a little bit more about Sims and uh, about my checkered career history. And I'm uh, very honored that you invited me onto the show. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Sustainable Angler. A special thanks to Casey Sheehan for carving some time out for me. The Sustainable Angler podcast is available anywhere you listen uh, or, or get your podcast. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, would really appreciate um, a rating and review on iTunes because that helps us out a lot. Thanks and have a good one.